Hey, everybody. This episode is brought to you by our proud title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, the next generation of off-ice hockey training for players and goalies. Look, we know how much you invest in your children's hockey development, the early mornings, the travel, and let's not forget the expenses of training for hockey camps, private ice time, the general expenses of the season. It's a lot. But wouldn't it be great to bring that on-ice practice experience home that's fun, fits into your schedule, and that's affordable? If you said yes, which I'm sure you did, you've got to check out NHL Sense Arena. It's a top-tier virtual reality training game that brings the on-ice practice experience home so you can practice anytime and anywhere, literally. You can transform any part of your home into a virtual ice rink where you're getting unlimited access to over 100 drills, training plans from top coaches and players, weekly drill challenges, and more that focus on improving hockey sense and physical cognitive skills, starting at just $33 per month. That is a lot cheaper than an hour of ice time. The physical side of hockey gets a lot of attention, but we don't focus enough on the mental side of it. It's something we talk about on this show all the time. NHL Sense Arena provides an immersive solution for players to sharpen those skills when ice time is limited or not affordable and they want to get those extra reps in. So for our listeners, NHL Sense Arena is offering an exclusive $50 off their annual plan all you got to do is head over to their website, hockey.sensorina.com. Again, hockey.sensorina.com and use our code hockey never stops and you'll level up your off-ice training by using NHL Sensorina. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us and NHL Sensorina. Enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Hey everybody, it's Lee. Welcome back to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. We had a great, great topic today. Uh, Mike and I have a great discussion. It's the top three things that organizations should be doing right now to prepare for next season now, late spring, early summer. Um, and we only limited it to three. We, we realized there could do 50 of them, but uh, the conversation is great. There's a lot of takeaways in this one. You can bring to your organization, whether you're a parent, a coach, or an organizational leader. But uh, it's information we wanted to share with you. Uh, and we hope to get some feedback back from you on it. Uh, also, we know it's uh, springtime. We know school's coming to an end soon. We know you got summer reading. So check out whenhockeystops.com and check out the book that Christy Casciano Burns and I wrote, uh, which is all about how kids can deal with adversity in hockey. Um, it's gotten rave reviews for this thing. I'm blown away by the amount of people that have given us feedback about how wonderful it is. Uh, we've also been speaking to schools and reading the first chapter. So just really humbled by the entire experience. You know, we wrote this thing with the, the mission of just giving a guide to kids to help them out, uh, you know, as the future leaders of tomorrow. And uh, we've, we've gotten it back tenfold. So thank you so much. So check it out again, whenhockeystops.com, whenhockeystops.com, whenhockeystops.com. Pick up your copy today, or you can get it on Amazon, whatever's more comfortable for you. Um, and thank you so much for your support. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world. Welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. I'm Lee Elias. I'm joined by Mike Benelli. Christy Cascio Burns is on assignment. I'm not going to get used to saying that. I love saying that. I miss her, but I do like saying that. Uh, we got a great topic for you all today. It is the off season, so we want to provide some value. And as you know, we're doing a lot of interviews, but Mike and I were together today and we, uh, we were brainstorming topics. And the one we came up with, and again, we think there's going to be a lot of value in this for you, is the top three, we're only going to do three, things that organizational leaders or organizations can do right now to prepare for this season. So if you're listening to this sometime in the future, uh, it's the end of May. So we're, we're kind of 
yeah, a few weeks, maybe months past the end of the season here. You've got a time to collect yourself, right? All the emotional damage that has taken place during the season has hopefully subsided. Uh, but wherever you're at right now, enough time should have passed where maybe you've taken a little bit of a breath. Maybe you went on a vacation, uh, but now is not the time to rest completely, right? Mike, now is the time you got to step up if you're an organizational leader and make plans for the next season. You don't want to wait till September or August to start doing this. The, the real champions in the space start doing this now. And again, Mike is a, is a proficient and a professional in this uh, arena here, pun intended. Uh, so we're going to go over the top three things. And just roll your eyes when I said that. I hope you did. That was, <laughs> he rolled his eyes when I said that, which is good. It's a horrible, horrible <laughs> joke already. <laughs> <laughs> Only the best on Monday mornings when we record. So we're going to go over the top three organiza- organiza- things organizations can do to be ready. And Mike, number one on your list was uh, how is communication structured within an organization? I think it's a great place to start. We always say that trust and communication are by far the most important aspects to really any team environment. It's not even just hockey. Um, But organizations tend to falter with this. Uh, You know, I've got even my own frustrations with that. I'm sure everybody does. But when we say that, Mike, what do we do? What what are things that we can do to bolster our communication from an organizational level? Yeah, so I think one of the first things that I do right now, even as a coach, but as as an organizational leader and somebody that's working with organizations, we reflect, we look back on. We determine, you know, what were the pros? What were the cons? What did we do this year well? What didn't we do well? 90% of the time, when I talk with organizations about where they faltered and where they slipped and where they might've lost players and where they lost uh, momentum was in the communication. And it's not, and again, if you're listening to this and you could forward this on to your organizational leaders, this is the one, the forward, this is the, this is don't, you can't wait until September. You can't wait until December when things are blowing up. This is proactive communication and understanding that if you can communicate and show parents, the trust that they need to trust you, you're going to give them all these tools and you're going to give them all this education resources. As long as they trust you that you're going to give their kids the right um, guidance and the, and the right resources and the, the right and the, and the access to development. Now we can start communicating back and forth. I think one of the things I've learned uh, working um, and, and really actually the last few months, I've really dove deep into talking with, um, the best players, and we talk to people all the time, but even the best people privately that would never go on a podcast, would never talk about you know, what they've done in their careers. And trust and communication always, always, always is the thing that drove them the most. Not that their, the coach was the best power skating coach. Not that the organization had the most games. Not that they were in the best league. It was, damn, that organ- they, they all, I always knew where I stood. I always knew the schedule. I always knew how to, you know, formulate my, my, my real life and my hockey life around each other. And I was able to, you know, have a lot of ease because a lot, you know, as we know, right. When you know what's going on, te- you, 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 the, the tensions can be really controlled and can be lowered. If when you get, you know, I, I, when you get organizations that don't communicate and you find out on a Thursday, not, Oh, we, we have three games on Sunday. It, throws a monkey wrench into your life and, or, Oh, I know we said we were going to do this, but now we're going to do this. And you didn't find out about it. Um, except that there was a text messaging chain from five disgruntled parents that started bringing it up. Like when you can't get ahead of things as an organization, and when you can't lay out the, the foundation and the framework for what you want to do, you're just setting yourself up for disaster. 
even in good to, even in good programs, even in programs that you know quote unquote win. Well, look, this is what I'll say, and and you and I both work in this arena where we we help people with this. I used to say nine out of ten problems are caused from bad communication. I actually changed it. I said ten out of ten problems are almost caused from bad communication and things surrounding it. Uh, it is almost always it's like nine point nine a communication breakdown of some sort that causes the problem. Solution also comes from communication, no matter how hard the conversation might be. But to, to give everybody an idea of how serious we are about this, when I go and work with a team, uh, the first thing I do is establish trust. And we define the word as an organization or as a team or, or, or business, whatever. Um, it's extremely important, right? That's the foundation. The second thing I do is develop a communication system. And I make sure that everybody understands this is the way communication flows. If you need to, uh, you know, connect with someone, this is the pathway to follow. It, it's a bit of a hierarchy. Uh, it depends on the, the organization. But, you know, to get to the top or anywhere in the middle, I make sure everybody knows the communication lines. Because if you don't know how to communicate, commiseration will start. You'll start communicating with the wrong person. And then wires get crossed. And you know what happens. The bomb explodes. And this happens all the time. And then, Mike, as you said, once you have that pathway set up, mistakes can still be made. This is one of those things where even if you have it set up perfectly, mistakes are still going to happen. So if you don't set it up, it can be really catastrophic to your organization. And, you know, it's funny within hockey and, and, and the time period we live in, again, 2022, there really is no excuse anymore for bad communication. I remember growing up, we had the phone chain right on our team. Like if something went wrong, you know, five parents would start calling all the other parents and it was pretty efficient. But that's completely outdated now if someone tried to do that to me. Right. You have all of this technology to communicate. And I still get, you know, I'm not knocking. I, I know a lot of organizations have that, well, this works. But if you're doing like a broad email all the time, when there's things like Slack and other, other abilities to communicate, just, just rethink that a little bit of, is this the most efficient way to communicate with parents, coaches, team managers? And then are you equipping those people, parents, coaches, team managers with the tools to communicate even better? Now, again, I'm, I'm just coming off a season where my team manager was fantastic at communicating. I mean, we, we had team snap set up and, and we just never missed a beat. I never felt like we were missing something. Um, and I think, I think most people do that. There's usually a team calendar of some sort. But from the organizational level, Mike, just staying on this for one more minute, um, I think that you have to start the season with this. As you said, you don't want to wait till things get bad and start kind of strict. And, and what I mean by that is really hammer it home early on in the season, and then let it kind of relax itself as the season goes on once those pathways are over. Because a lot of times it can self-correct. Um, do you agree with that, Mike? You can't wait with this stuff. You got to have a plan right at the start. Yeah, and, and it can be, you know, it could be a little maybe heavy, you know, if you want to use the word heavy-handed, you know, at the beginning that, that there's like a strict policy. Like, but, but so, so in my, when I look, when I think about communication and I think about what you do, Lee, and I think about, you know, mission statements and building programming and doing all that neat stuff that to me is by communicating properly you're also building culture so if right. you say listen you can't you have to have you've been all issued practice jerseys one of the pieces that we do in this uh, our organization is that we all maintain that we wear our organizational practice uniform right then, right. And then enforce it don't let somebody come in here with the power skating clinic uh, stuff and you know or another right. team's uh, jersey Your or ultra select competitive right. triple a uh, oh, show, showcase i can't tell jersey. you like when i see when i see organizations <laughs> allow kids to come in like if you know like i and i see at the higher the higher levels like these high school teams that all of a sudden there's one kid out there with a different color helmet and you know oh well who's this kid oh he's the track he's the he's the all-star travel kid well that's not 
you know, to me, that's not, that's not culture. That's not building right. teams. And, but you could do that within your whole organization. And I think that's the, you know, so organizational communication, set tones for coaches, get coaches on their own communication and have coaches support each other. Uh, you know, setting those goals within a, a, you're absolutely right. There's no reason in today's world with the resources we have and the tools we have available to us that we shouldn't be that every parent that wants to know when things are and wh- right. how things are done can't be told or yeah. express yeah. that. And, 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 and there's options too. Like, yeah, and there's options. And the communication yeah. piece, the other way that there's always, there's no closed door here. It's, you can, there's a, there's a, right. there's an email address. There's a phone number. There's a contact person. There's a, a, a gap reader. There's a liaison, somebody in our organization that will take your concerns, process them right. and give you an answer. Might not be that it's not going to be, Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. Your son is the first line centerman. We forgot it's yes. We understood your concern. We get that. There's a, a school dance on Friday night and maybe we have to move practice. And so everybody, that's the two-way communication right. piece. That's the, that's the piece where you say, we, we as an organization are here for you and, and you can support us. Right. And we work together, right? There was a statistic last night that came out at an event I was at that the, 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 uh, the former NHL executive coach, mentor, teacher, scout made a great point, right? That in, in the course of, you know, your time with your kids in hockey, you have them for like, you know, 6% of the time, right? In a season, their teachers have them for 18% of the time <laughs> and your parents have them the rest. Right. And, and those are the people you need to communicate with. You need to make sure that, I mean, imagine this is the communication tool you use in an organization. Okay. Coaches at the end of practice, make sure your kids tell you tell your kids when the next practice is. Now, Lee, if your son was in that locker room right. and the coach said, Hey, don't forget practice Thursday night. It's Jim change to six 30. Tell your parents. Right. Do, do you really think that information you, you're going to get two kids doing that? That's <laughs> yeah. it. And, and, and you already know who those kids are. If you're a coach, you know, exactly. Right. right. So I think that, <laughs> so that whole communication piece is like, that is where right. you solve issues and actually move forward. Because if you well, communicate well, right. you can set the groundwork to saying, okay, all this is fixed or this is stable. Now let's branch out and do these other really neat things. And I'm going to expand upon this one more time. And this is the action items that organizations can do. We talked about it, research the technologies that are out there for you to communicate. It's not hard. It's not going to take a lot of time. Find what works for you. We're not making suggestions on use this, but find what works for you, but have something in place for communication. The other thing too, is there should be a meeting that takes place from an organizational level where at minimum to all the coaching staff, so they can pass this on at the beginning of the season that explains how communication should work within a team. Don't skip over that step. All right. Also parents listening to this, this is a two-way conversational basis. You also have to be understanding in my opinion of the organization side of things. One of the things that really uh, upsets Mike and I is when a, a, a parent will come and say, well, you know, I'm not coming to practice on Friday because Johnny has this to do. All right. It's incredibly unprofessional at the last minute, I should say. Conflicts do come up. All right. But if you made a commitment to a team or multiple teams, let's maybe sit down in the beginning of the season and say, hey, my kid is on 14 different teams. Um, and this is what's going to happen. Now, I think that's crazy if you're doing that, but set up that communication basis with the coach. It is, in my opinion, Parents, in my opinion, it is incredibly unprofessional to go to a coach who's dedicating their time, all right, and just say the night before practice, oh, he's not going to be there tomorrow. She's not going to be there tomorrow because we have something else going on. All right, I'm going to say it again. Conflicts come up, but this is why organizations, you need to make this kind of 
uh, known on your teams of, look, communication should flow easy. If you have a conflict, try and try and bring it up to head coach ahead of time. Um, try not to present it to head coach as you chose something over the team. <laughs> like explain why. All right. I'll give you a good example. I was in a choir growing up and every once in a while I'd have a concert over a practice and I wouldn't tell my coach, I'm not going to be there. It actually approached, they have a concert. Is it okay if I miss practice on Friday? Cause I have a concert. They never said no. They never said no. All right. But I can tell you right now, if I said, yeah, I have a concert that, that comes first over hockey, sorry, just to kind of put, boost my ego, that I would always be taken the wrong way. Always. So oh, no, it's always like, Hey, yo coach, I'm not here Thursday. Oh, yeah, what's that? Why? I got something to do. Yeah. I got my parents signed me up for this thing. Well, I'm here Thursday. Like I've been here every Thursday. Right. I don't want to so, be always. Yeah. But I'm here. So, I mean, I have right. things to do too. I miss my kids concert. Like, so my, my, but that's, yeah, my, but that's a great point. I, well, let me just say, look, you couldn't do that at a job. All right. And, and, and I always try and look at this from the broad picture of life lessons. Okay. You couldn't just go up to your boss and say, I'm doing, I am going to see Dr. Strange too this weekend. Sorry, I'm missing work. You can't do that. Right. So, so, Parents, depending on the age, I would, I would first off, I would have your child try and call and ask if you can, just to build that, that kind of relationship with the coach, but just ask. All right. And if, and if you really can't make it, say, I have this conflict and I, I need to do this this time, but I want to let you know about it. There's always a way to do it. The, 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 the ego level of just, nah, I'm not doing it. I just, anyway, I hope well, that changes. It's, I'm, it's I'm getting a little soapbox here. It, it, and well, I it's, more dis, it, it's more disrespect, actually. And, yeah. it's, and it's just not respecting the fact that the organization wants, if you want the organization to you know, help your children and you, then you have to help them. And by, by throwing monkey wrenches in <laughs> all the time, by, by just saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. But, oh, by the way, when it's time for the, the team to do what they need to do, then, I, then, I, maybe, right, then right. I'll come on board. But and I'm like, here's ah, the, here's how it works. I'm going to move on, but I just thought of a funny analogy. You know, when my son or daughter, <laughs> this is making me laugh because look, look, as, as we're all hypocrites as parents in some way, <laughs> right? We all say one thing to our kids and then do the exact opposite. But I'm just thinking about when my son or my daughter, I'm talking to them, they start kind of just walking away from me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get back over here. I'm talking to you. All right. Yeah, Dad, I want to go yet. play my video game. Get over here when I'm talking to you. So that's not okay. But it's okay for someone to go to the coach and be like, "Yeah, no, I'm going to be over here." Like that's that's. I'm sorry, I'm just laughing. Yeah, well, the, la the last thing, thing. I, well, maybe it's not the last thing, but on, one thing on communication too, and you brought it up, and I think at the at the at the twelve U and above, 12, 14, 16, yeah. those are the times you really have to get your girls and boys leading the conversation Agreed. with their teams and their coaches. And right. now, now right. again, not text message change. Be on the text message. Follow your safe sport uh, requirements protect your kids but at the same time say coach uh you know michael's got an issue he's going to reach out to you okay right. and michael's going to reach out and he's going to reach out with me on it and there's going to be that communication but i'm going to let him lead this and whatever it is it is but i'm going to let him lead himself down the road to communicating to you that he's in model un it's he's the pre he's the president of his class it's a i know i know it, this is a league tournament weekend but he's also got you know a life that he probably will end up being closer to reality when he stops playing hockey. So it can, can we, and then but it all stems back to how does organizations communicate those policies and procedures? Right. And are they, are, are they out there that says, listen, if you join our organization, just know if you ever miss anything for hockey or hockey for anything else, you'll be um, banished to the, to the, to the, you know, the eighth line and you're, you won't get refunded. Like, <laughs> Just tell me that. If I know that going in, at least I know. I was like, oh, you know right. what? I, I did know that going in. But if it's very vague, 
And yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, oh, you know what? We only sit the kids that aren't good. Oh, okay. Let me know that. If, if, if I'm not, if my player is not a good player, but you only can sit him. At least I know what I signed up it's for. Just clear expectations. And, and right. a lot of organizations don't set that. They kind of let it ride. And uh, I think that's important. I think also coaches, if you're listening, uh, look, parents talk. So if you want them to communicate clearly with you, establish that. If you don't want them to go over your head to somebody higher than you, establish that, that they should come to you first. It's still going to happen. Like I said, it's still going to happen even if you do that. But there's a much less chance of it happening to, to a point that's detrimental to the team, to the kids, and to you. And look, there's no perfect parents. There's no perfect coaches. There's no perfect organizations. Obviously, when you bring personalities and ego into this, it's not always always easy. But if you do it right, organizations, it is your responsibility to, to you know, it's not just an email that you're going to send out to your team at the beginning of the year. You should have a meeting. And with Zoom and other technologies, they're really, I'm going to say it very condescendingly, there really is no excuse for you not to be addressing your coaches. There's just not, not anymore, especially after the last two years. So let's move on to the second point, or else this whole episode is going to be on point one. Um, and this one's an important one, organizations. I, I can't wait to hear what Mike says about this. You need to have a clear understanding of your path for player development. All right? And, and this is an important one, too. Coaches can be very creative. There's also coaches who follow it to a T, right? As an organization, you should be telling all of your coaches at every level, and this might take multiple, multiple meetings, what kind of development you want to see out of them this year. And I have a lot of suggestions about this too, about how that can be done with communication. But uh, Mike, let's, let's jump right to you. You know, what, how does that even happen? How do you do that as an organization in the, at this time of the year, the summer? Yeah, well, and it's the best time of the year. This is when you lay out your development path, right? You lay out a very clear message that on, on a certain days of the week, we're going to be doing like, like block skill development activities. Uh, other days of the week, we're going to be doing off ice you know, athleticism training other days of the week, we're going to be doing we're, we're going to be, you know, nothing's required by the way. This is all, listen, we, yeah. we're, 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 this is all part of, you know, no, nobody's forcing you to do anything, but understand that we as an organization have a path for you to succeed. Right. That path is what our, our, not only our mission statement, but you're signing up for something that you, that we're telling you how we're going to get there. We, we know the beginning point, and where our end point is. And I don't think enough organizations do that. They just, you sign up and it's kind of like a black hole of, well, like where should my kid be by October? And then how much puck touches do they get by November and December? And what is the gain, the practice ratio? And does it change? So I think in that, in the, in that player development model, the model of an organization saying, you're joining us, this is what we do best. These are the resources we have, we are, have available, goalie coaches, shooting coaches, mental strength coaches, nutritional uh, advice. We are going to be an all-encompassing organization or not for you to succeed. You know, so and I think that's really the key is to show that how can we be in a situation where I can show you the best path right. for your right. children and lay it out, have it out there so those people could actually respond and, and, and uh, you know, react to it. Well, I'll tell you what, from an outside point of view, as a parent, if I saw an organization doing that, I'd be, I'd be wowed, right? Like, wow, they really have a plan for development here. It's not just based on the level that my kid's playing at and what, what's going to happen. Now, with that said, uh, USA Hockey, this is one of the things the ADM actually has done pretty well. There's so many resources you can grab um, to help develop that. And again, look, if you want to be creative with that in your organization, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, again, I always like to give perspective just 20 years ago. It just was nothing. It was just, you showed up and you figured it out. Uh, and maybe you had a good coach. Maybe you had a good skill developer there. 
now, I mean, USA hockey has done a great job at really giving the tools, but you got to take them that that's really the key here. It's not, you know, you pay your membership dues, you get access to all this stuff. You should be utilizing that. Um, well, the organizational uh, piece too, Lee, they get access right. to it. Like exactly. there's, there, there's blueprints and menus that are free yes. to all of us that yeah. say, Hey, at eight, you, we should be doing this at 10. You now, you could say, and you could deviate from it. You could say, you know, in our region, we need to do more of this. In this, in this age group, we have a lot more girls, so maybe we have to do more of this. In right. this area, we have a lot more diversity, and and you know, maybe there's that we need more inclusion. Like it depends on where you're from. Yeah, and, no and no two organizations are the same, and no two levels, no two teams are the same. In right, but the but the one thing that is the same is you can have a blueprint, right, and right. a path for player development, and and if you show it and you can live it, you have much better chance of having success of people buy into that development because if you're winging it every week and people are like going i don't understand why they keep doing this these stupid jumping over right. the box drills like <laughs> why what is that doing for my kid he needs to learn the power play well our development path is clearly stated we've discussed it we've had nine zoom sessions about it you signed up knowing right the path and that's why it's so important to do that stuff now when people sign, you know, in our, in the East coast, right on the area, we are, everybody's signing contracts and then you're signing your life away. You, you sign up for your team and your, your son or daughter can no longer move to another, you know, your rights are owned by the, right. you know, the Wanta <laughs> hockey association or whatever it is. But, but to me, it's like, well, I don't want to sign anything and I don't want my kids rights to be, you know, uh, taken until I know what I'm signing up for. So get those pass out there and let's go back. You communicate those. That's right. That's why we started with that. <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get parents to buy in because somebody's gonna say, you know what? I'm a professional nutritionist. I think I can help you with that. Right. I love the fact that on Wednesday nights you do a Zoom session for anybody who wants to come on for free in your organization, and I'm gonna talk about the best peanut butter shake you can make. Right. And that, I, and to me, that's like holy crap. Like that's what I want for my organization. Right. Or maybe on Monday right. nights right. it's gonna be on Monday night once a month we're going to have a zoom session or a live, like maybe even in the real world of live people, we can have a shooting specialist come on. And that is invaluable for players and parents because nobody really does know what the hell is going on right. on the ice. Unless you right. tell them every Saturday morning, tell them. listen to this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, well, that's uh, a huge uh, tool. It, it, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. It's like it, it's any educational resource in player development is a right. tool. And if Absolutely. you can have the right, we had Daryl Belfry on. If I have Daryl Belfry clips, so I have one, two, three, four, five. I would take those clips. I'd mash them up or however, you, whatever you call it. Kaylin can give me a better word yeah, for it. It's called you editing. Slice them up. You send them <laughs> out. And we say, you don't need, you don't need a, a seven hour seminar. You need 15 right. seconds. Right. So that your son and you and mom and dad in the car can understand what coach Lee is talking about. Right. But okay. you need to show people that path. It, let's get real specific here. What are the titles of the people in the organization that should be taking the lead on this? Because I, I'm not calling out any organization. Sometimes I feel like, you know, people have director of hockey. They have the overall CEO of an organization. Who are the people at the top? What are the job titles, Mike, that should be listening to this and going, Oh, wow, that's me. I need to take control of that. I need to do that. So USA hockey already has a built in, uh, you know, structure called the ACE coordinator. So the ACE coordinator and the ACE coordinators get mad, mad at me. I was an ACE coordinator, but so I, I, I don't think they should get mad at me. I call them like the librarian of the hockey organization. Right. They're the ones that, that back in the day, the ACE coordinator, when it first developed, 
was like the guy or the girl you went to in their office at the rink and they had all the Betamax tapes and the right. VHS tapes and the, the, the you know, the, the eight hours of shooting, you know, Howie Meeker shooting tapes. Like you would have all that. And, and you know, the, the magazine articles and they would be, they would be the, the, the depository of all this um, hockey knowledge. Yeah. So the, the ACE coordinator, which you all should have in your organizations, if you're a USA Hockey sanctioned organization, is a person that is that conduit, is that person that should be able to send out when are coaching education classes, when right. are official seminars being done, when, and wow, here's a free resource. Um, you got to have access to it. We have, we have organizations that we know right now, Lee, right, that use our podcast as their weekly, in, a, in, right. in their weekly newsletter. And because some people aren't going to go search for the podcast, but if you give people all this information in one place, they're more apt to be like, eh, I'm on the train, you know, I'll throw my iPad on and listen to the podcast. Like, well, and, and, I'll, it, and, I, and maybe I can't listen to an hour and a half, but I can listen to 15 seconds. This is another two-way thing for the ace coordinator of as a coach at any level, if I need something, you know, first I should look for it myself. That's always something people don't do enough. But second is, hey, I really need some good information on uh, 14U breakout strategies, right? And right. and what what should they be knowing at this age? Not, not what do I want them to know. It's what should we be teaching at 14U? Ace coordinator, what resources do you have? And the ace coordinator should have those already set, right? So yeah. so I think that's a great point of, uh, you know, I mean, like it's it's like Google, but it's a it's a person you can talk to, right? And you always well, and they're out. the ones that you know, yeah. in a lot of ways, they're the ones sitting on the like you don't want 190 people in your organization sitting on a Zoom no, call. With but, you but say, nobody could do but that. The one person yeah. can sit on it and then get yeah. the information out to the rest of the people. Now, the other aspect that you, we have that we encourage, or I encourage, and who knows if it's just USA Hockey or anybody could do it, that is that you have program level developers. So you have an 8U, develop, uh, an 8U coordinator, a 10U coordinator, 12, and they then help within that age group right. figure out what is needed and then what, right. are, the, what are the best practices well, within that little age group. I've got one. Because really too. an eight-year-old, a dad of an eight-year-old really doesn't, shouldn't care about what the 14-year-old kid is learning. They should learn where they got to get to, but that's just like, I don't need to know what the left wing lock is. I need to right. know why I have two edges on each skate. That's what I want to know. I'll take this a step further for you. Something that uh, is a suggestion that I've made to my organizations that I don't see a lot. I don't actually, I've never seen it is uh, coaches from each level should be talking to each other at minimum once a month on a meeting or a zoom call or beers or whatever. Right. Uh, and I, in my life, so this is not organization based. I'm not basing this on one place I've been in my life. I have never seen an organization where the coaches from all three, four teams within a level or five or six meet to go over what went well, what did not go well, you know, wins, losses uh, within my own companies. Mike, we do a thing called operations and intelligence. Every single week we go over wins and losses, what we're looking forward to, things we can learn from each other, especially losses. The losses are the key. I'm not talking losing in a game. It could be something like, you know what? I yelled at a kid on the ice and I really shouldn't have done that, right? Yeah. Or where I put a kid in a position to fail. We should not be afraid to talk about that as coaches or organizations. So I'm throwing that suggestion out there right now that, that it would be a little bit much for the organization, the entire coaching staff of an organization to meet. But you know, Mike coaches, squirt coaches, PUE, Bantam, midget coaches, you should be meeting once a month for an hour. And, you know, because the big objection, Mike, is always with all this stuff. Is, oh, we just don't have the time. We're volunteering. We don't have the time. Man, make the time. Make make an hour. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say to that one. I, I know it's so, easy so in every, to in, done. In, in every organization on. I've, every organization, hockey organization I've led in the last 
18, 20 years, I've always had that structure that there is no room for not having it. The coaches that don't come don't last. And the coaches that don't value it, we don't hire. And I think that's, and and even if it's a dad or mom, a volunteer, if when you offer something that's enticing, if you, and the way I do it and the way, the way I've helped organizations do this is you always have, you always want to have a theme, like just like in real life, right? In real business, you don't want to go into a meeting and say, okay, what do you want to start talking about today? And it just becomes like, well, you could have emailed me that. Like, why the hell am I in here? Like, right. so then it's the right. same thing. Like, give me, a, give me, everybody's coming. We're going to do a seminar on how to use Sport Engine. Great. I want to learn. <laughs> I'm going to show you how to send out a text message to all your kids right. that's safe, legal, and, you know, protects you, coach. I want to protect you. You're the coach. We're here to protect you. We want you to do the right things. And we're going to run a seminar. And guess what? At the seminar, who knows? Maybe there'll be beer. Maybe there'll be wraps. Yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be, be online. Just, but just do whatever it, it is. But yeah. you, and you, but it's 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 very similar. <laughs> Communicate to your coaches. <laughs> it's always going to come back to back. that. And, and and I think more than communications, be consistent. Don't say you're going to do it and then do it one month. It's like this podcast. We said we didn't do it, and we, we pretty much find ways to get on these podcasts, no matter what. Right. And it, because it's a commitment. And it's a consistency, right? If you lose consistency, it's very easy to miss one week and then say, ah, we could, we'll yeah. miss next yeah, it's week. It's a summertime. It's not a big deal. We'll miss yeah. another one. And all of a sudden you don't have it anymore. Yeah. And I think that's where coaching education comes in, in your organization. You know, if you want it's once, this is my suggestion. Once a month, you have it there. Everybody has these great rooms. Everybody has these, you know, big yeah. meeting spaces, you know, offer some rink. food and beverage. It costs right. you less money than, than a sheet of ice. Offer a staff skate. Say, listen, we're going to do right. an hour meeting and then everybody's going to get a free. We're going to have a scrimmage with all the coaches. It's 11 <laughs> o'clock at night. If you want to come, I, those are those are the best time. I would be bench. at those. Yeah, I would be on. The, and most that's people the time to let the frustration it. out of the coaches. When do these coaches like. get to play? You don't get to play anymore. You just get you're just <laughs> right. coaching. But I think it's just, uh, you know, turn the live barn off. Make sure your kids don't see how bad you are and then just go out there and, and play. But I think I think or let think, them see how bad you are. That might give a couple. Let them see how bad you are. But I think it's just those, that's the piece to me where, you know, as an organization, set up a way to make sure your coaches are protected and educated and right. then inclusive. Like, I want to hear from my 8U coach about how his little brother on his team is, is the brother of the kid on my team, that 14U kid, and what he heard in the locker room. I want to know what right. those people are saying to each other. Well, here's I want to know, like, you know like, who, who get, these people are in my organization. You can get siloed real quick as a coach if you're not careful. Uh, and look, I'm guilty of this at times. You know, again, even with the uh, 8U last year, I was thankful, and I really mean that. I was thankful when I was overthinking things and another coach saw that, or even an organizational leader could see that and say, hey, man, they just need to learn how to skate. Right. Yeah. And I was thankful. No ego there. Like, you know what, man, you're right. I'm glad you told me that one of the best gifts I got was before Adams. I remember this. I volunteered to coach Adams because it was in the middle of COVID. And uh, I don't like, I don't know what I'm doing. Do I have to teach them this? Do I have to teach them that? Head of the hockey for organization says, listen, they just need to know how to skate when they leave at the end of this thing. That's it. If they can't shoot a puck, it's okay. If they, you need to teach them how to skate. And like, I know how to skate. I was thankful for that. And you know, I remember halfway through, I started getting a little bit like, well, maybe if we do this thing on the backhand, they don't need to know their backhands leave. They just need to know they, they did it the right way. Right. And, and, and like, he listened to me when I had ideas, but that, that type of stuff, you can get siloed as a coach. You can think, Hey, I know what's best for my team and they need to learn this. And you do coaches, you do, but you, you can't shut yourself off from outside perspective, especially with development. The one thing I want to say to, to all the coaches listening and organizational 
organizational leaders, I'm trying to help you here, is that you do not need to reinvent the wheel with development. Be creative if you want to be, but the, the development model that USA Hockey has created is proven and it is very, very, very good. And I have seen other development models. It is very good. All right. And you got to have some perspective on that. All right. And, and again, if you want to know how good it is, look at how many USA Hockey World Championships, World Junior Championships, Olympic uh, level stuff, and professional hockey players have won awards since 2010. There's a, it's a, it's like a hockey stick chart, right, Mike? It's a dramatic difference in talent it's, development. All right, Austin Matthews it. came out of the desert. All right, he's probably the best player in the league. And yes, I'm there, saying that over there, Connor McDavid. Like, there, there's a direct line from 2001 to today, right? From where this model has gotten. If you could say whatever, and we've talked about this multiple times in our conversations on the podcast and privately, you can say whatever you want about the organization. The fact is, the the discipline to stick to not only the message, but to do the research and then get it out there and yeah. push it out to all of these coaches and get people that see that if you just change the mindset of what you're doing, you're going to, you're going to just get more kids and they're going to be more right. talented. It, Mike, this is what I always say too. You, you know, that saying like you need to do something for 10,000 hours to master it. Right. I believe that. I actually believe that. Okay. But this is what I also say to people. If someone's already done the 10,000 hours to master something, Start from where they left off and then build your hours on top of it. Don't start from ground zero and start building again, right? And I see that sometimes. Well, USAD says this, but I want to do this. Okay, well, do all your research and what the, the development model has done and then build on it, evolve it. Don't reinvent it. We, there's nothing better out there to my knowledge right now, uh, unless you want to go back to Soviet era tactics in which you know kids don't see their parents and you know they're in the army the whole time they're doing this. Anyway, let, let's keep it going, Mike. This is a great conversation. So again, number one, communication, communication, communication. That's going to keep coming back to that. That's why we started with that. To have a very clear, clean, understandable path for player development, for players, coaches, parents, and communicate that. Number three, and again, I'm going to say this again before we end here. There could be way more than three. We're just trying to keep this kind of concise for yeah. the podcast purposes today. But it's uh, how to recruit and retain kids um, to your organization. And here's the thing. Before you even get into this, Mike, if you did the first two things we talk about, I'm very intrigued as a parent. If I come into an organization, I get a binder, and it's like, here's all the communication, here's their development. This is how we're going to develop your kid, and this is what we're going to do. It's not just, hey, here, give me $2,000, and I'll develop your kid. I'm already intrigued, right? But there's things you can even do on top of that to recruit and retain. Uh, Mike, I'm going to start with this just from a coaching level. Uh, there's a saying that I like to say a lot. It's never be a kid's last coach. As a coach, that's your job. Do not ever be a kid's last coach. They should never quit a sport because of you. Now, unfortunately, I've seen this uh, many times before, all right? Uh, to my knowledge, I'm not the coach that's ever had a kid quit the game before, but I've seen this happen. Uh, I've almost quit before because of bad coaching. So I think the first thing is, from an organizational standpoint, you got to educate your coaches, right? You got to educate them about what you stand for and why they're here. And, and if they are volunteering, if they're green as hell, it does. I don't care if they've never played hockey before. There has to be some sort of education to the coaches of this is how we run an organization. This goes back to two a little bit, but am I right in assuming that? Yeah. I mean, if you're in any kind of business setting, right. You're, you're the, the, the work that you put in to your current coaches, not going out and finding new coaches, right. right. The work that you put into your workforce, your coaches, the people that are on the ground, the people that are on the ice, the people that are leading in the development is your primary goal. Make not make coaches happy, 
give coaches all the resources you can to allow them to be successful and support them right. as much as you can, because it's so hard to read. Imagine doing locks, all this work on a, a player. I think right? that lacks a lot. Yeah, it does. It does no support. Like, I mean, to me, like there's, there's, there's no, and again, I, I probably lose a lot of, you know, in my world, my real life of business, I probably lose a lot of business. Cause I, out, I, I bid programming that says, okay, every, every coach that gets hired, gets a coaching bag. And every coach that gets hired, gets a, a whistle, a helmet, gloves, sweatsuit, socks, undergarments, you, you know, all these things to make them feel like they just joined the greatest team ever. And they're going to then build your greatest team ever. Right. And if you don't, and, 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 and people are like, Oh my God, we can't afford that. Well, can you afford to lose a coach every single year? And by the way, when you lose that coach every year, you lose 18 players. Right. So as you're talking and, about and retention and recruitment, organization deteriorates slowly, deteriorates it just slowly, yeah. but surely. Well, not, yeah. not sometimes slowly. Yeah, sometimes it can happen overnight. Like right. I've seen programs in the last two months die overnight, basically wow. go from vibrant to missing gaps, huge gaps of age groups. Because all it takes is one coach. To, they, look at these organizations that have a guy coaching like three teams. Right. He leaves your organization. You're screwed. Right. That guy's taking all those kids. You're, you're, you're telling me he's not saying, oh, you know, we're only, we're, only, we're only 174 miles away. Come on. That's nothing. <laughs> at 575 for gas. Right. Don't worry about it. You That's a good point. Me. It's going to be six gonna, bucks yeah. soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, geez, stay home. So I think, I think to me, you know, training making your coach and not only i don't mean training your coaches like in hey this is how we're going to teach the breakout i mean embracing your coaches right like me i've never in every rink that we've built for for organizations we've always built a coaches room we've always built a safe place we've always built a place where they could get a free cup of coffee or a free soda or there's a refrigerator filled with beverages or there's there's always snacks around and again if you do the right thing with those coaches you want, they're going to find ways to be around more and they're right. going to find ways to be happier, just like work. You, 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 this is this, if, if you hear your coaches like, oh, this is a grind. If it's a grind for your coaches, then you've got it. You've got to blow it up. You can't have them. You can't be there. You've done a horrible job. If it's a grind, right. Right. Should never, this is youth hockey. And again, if you, unless you you're paying, smiling, yeah. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter if you're paying your hockey director $150,000 a year, or you're, you got your free, um, you know, you're, you're free volunteer. If it ever comes to a grind, oh my God, you know, I, I just want to get through this week. Then, then you can't, then it's the wrong place to be. I'll say this, just sticking on the coaches for another minute. You know, there, there's lots of different types of coaches. There's a coach that probably coaches the upper levels. That's been there. Everybody knows his name. That's the coach. All the kids want to play for. He's established. She's established. That's, you know, good, good for them. Congratulations. I mean that I'm not being sarcastic. Then there's the, the volunteer coaches who really want to be there but they're volunteering to be the head coach. They're putting in a lot of time. Maybe, maybe you're paying for their kids dues, right? That's always a nice little thing to do. And then there's the, the typical kind of uh, parent coach that I'm here to open the doors and, you know, um, I'm volunteering because you needed some help. Uh, you need to take care of all three levels of those people. All right. Yeah. And, and again, it's it, having your kids dues paid is nice. It's the little things beyond that. It's an incredible amount of time. It is a lot of stress, whether you want it to be or not. I'm not talking so much about the grind. It's just coaching a hockey season can be coaching. Any season can be somewhat stressful, right? What are the little things you're doing as an organization? You know, like I remember they gave me a team jacket this year. I really appreciated that. I really did. You know, um, that they, they thought about the, that, you know, I'm a parent from their eyes. I'm a parent volunteer. Hey, here's a jacket. You're at every game. You're on the ice. We appreciate that. Right. But again, it's those little things of, are you having those monthly calls? You know, 
the way I look at it, Mike, if I was running an organization, um, when I got those volunteer, it's, I look at it very much like players, right? If I got, uh, let's just say 10 new volunteer coaches a year, right? In the back of my mind, I'm going, okay, I, I want to develop at least three of these people into an 18U top coach at some point, whether they're here or not, actually, right? right? I want to develop them into the best coach if they want to do it. All right? There's plenty of parents that come in a couple of seasons, they do it and then they move on. There's nothing wrong with that either. Right. But that's the mindset I think an organization should take of. I need to develop the coaches. And if you listen to our previous episode about the coaching developer that Mike went to, right, it has very little to do with the tactics and the, and the talent. It has more to do with the type of person you are and the way you treat these kids and the way they can understand growing up within the game. So, yeah, but you got to teach your coaches the same thing. Like, like if you're, right. if you're, if you want to retain, if you want to retain players, like just like right. the, the, you know, Dave Starman's comment, right? If you want to, if you want to have the best players, you have to have the best coach development. Absolutely. So if you want to retain, quick quote quote for you, everybody listening, I say this in every speech I give, you need talent to win and you need tactics. Great talent cannot overcome bad tactics. Remember that. All right. If you are, if you have the best players, but you're not using the right right tactics, it doesn't matter. Great players cannot overcome bad tactics. The truth. Go ahead. Yeah. And you can, and we know that, right? So, and we know the fact that if you want to retain players, the best way to do that is retain coaches. Right. And because they're the ones that they're, that you're drawing to. I mean, most coaches are going to love this episode, Mike, they're going to, they're going to love, they're like, yeah, I agree with those guys. If I own, if I own an organization, (laughs) uh, because it's common sense, like think about the out. Cause they're, well, forget about the fact that coaches don't get, it's not even respect. They don't even get the gratitude of the everyday little things that they're doing. I mean, I had one, I had one program in upstate that we did where the coach once a week, they're like, like one of the things where I, I demand, I don't, the one of the things I suggest is I'm like, if you're the hockey director or you're the rink owner, or you're the, you know, don't park in the first spot, right. You know, the closest to the rink, give that. It's almost like, you know, how you like employee, like this is Jim, Jim's our employee of the week. Like do those little things, put a right, picture right. up in the rink, say, you know, Lee was Lee. We just want to showcase Lee this week. Hey, you want a quick story, like non-hockey related people like Billy Joel is a great example. Of this. Billy Joel. I don't know if you know this. Uh, I mean, if you're in the Northeast, you know, Billy Joel, obviously everybody knows him. He does not sell tickets for the first row. They are never sold. And what he does before every concert is he goes to the back row, the nosebleeds, finds a bunch of kids or families, gives them the front row. Yeah. Right. Cause, cause he said he didn't, he, he got tired of looking down at these rich people that didn't even know his songs. And they were just there to show off that they could get to the first row. So, you know, it, 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 whether you get a nice, you know, H2 Hummer that just was washed, Give those spots to the people that are dedicating their time. Lead, lead that way. And, and well, all it is is taking. It's yeah. a, it's a free resource, right. To right. to just thank your coaches or you know like one of the things that we used to do is like every month we'd have just a um we all the coaches that showed up you know every week they would do they would put their they would put their um their name in like a jar or whatever and then we had a drawing once a month and the guys got a you know free stick. Of rolls of tape, brilliant. Uh, brilliant. A, a, a fair, little things, you know, you're appreciated. Go and guys loved it. The guys loved it. They come in yeah. and they'd always make sure they came to practice. They put their name in the jar. They're like, oh, you know. And we had a we had a, we had a pretty good, brilliant. like we had a, we had a good, um, you know, honor system. You couldn't stuff the you know you couldn't stuff the jar or you couldn't right. have somebody else write your name on and throw it in. I, I you could, I guess, but I'm like, okay, <laughs> you didn't know the prize. That's where Mike Benelli right? is going like, for the sixth time this year. Yeah, Very Mike. Mike uh, <laughs> Mike's been here 17 times yesterday. <laughs> so, so, but I think it was one of those things where if you be little things like that, where you appreciate what people do, or if you have your if you have your your midget major AAA coach, 
and he shows up for like six mite sessions, right? right. Helps out. You give him something. You say, hey, wait, listen, unbelievable time. Thank you so right. much. Guess what? We got these brand new gloves for the organization. They're all yours. I'm going to tell you something. Choose gonna, them or not. I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you laugh. So <clears throat> my team this year, keep in mind, I was just an assistant coach. Apparently, I say the word appreciate a lot, right? Uh, that the parents started making fun of me for. In fact, there's like a drinking game that every time Lee says appreciate, you take a drink. At first, I was a little bit like, oh, that's weird. And then I realized, like, this is the greatest compliment I think I've ever been given in my life. That I say this word, and I mean it, Mike, every time I say it, it's not superficial. If I, if I say I appreciate something, I really, really mean it. All right. And, and I, I just, I want people to know. So one of the things I, I, I say here is, and we just don't do this enough. And look, <laughs> the last couple of years have been hard on everybody. Okay. Right. So I understand, I, I really do try and have some empathy for hard times and, you know, people are exhausted. I really, I really do. All right. Like I'm a parent in this too. I, I understand, but we don't take the extra second just to say, Hey man, I really appreciate you being here today. Or even to the kids, right? I used to tell the kids, I appreciate you working hard right now. We tend to go towards the negative and the sarcastic and look, I'm a very sarcastic person. Anybody really hangs out with me knows I have a really dark sense of humor. But I remember my father telling me when I was a kid, like, hey, if you see someone in a nice, you see a lady in a nice dress, tell her she's got a nice dress on, do it the right way. Or if, you, if your friend does something good, tell them. We just don't do that. And the thing is, it goes so far. I have seen people, Mike, come into the rink, pissed off. I've seen co-hosts on podcasts, come on, looking super pissed off, right? And I just, I just compliment, hey, it's a great job you did last week on the podcast, Mike. Right. And you can, and you, Mike, you know, this. I'm, I'm joking, but I'm being, well, I appreciate when you make, when you say my hair looks good, but I think, I think it's, but it, <laughs> it, it melts it, away it though. You me see down. the anger melt away. Down. Yeah. Like, but I, I'm being serious. Like you can see the anger just melt a little bit because no one has said anything nice to this person in a long time. You know what I mean? And it's, well, just, it's the adage too. We all know yeah. this, right? You don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. And I right. think uh, us as, so one of the things I will say about the organizational leadership, and we talked about developing coordinators and having the ACE coordinator, you know, you should really, you, you, I know it sounds crazy or stupid, I guess, but you got to have like the, the, the coach appreciation coordinator, like, cause you don't, you <laughs> right. forget, like when you're running these, if you're running huge it's organizations, hard. it's hard. You, you're like, Oh, did I like, Oh, I didn't even know Lee was even here anymore. Like, I didn't even know, you know, and you find a way to say, listen, uh, Lee, you're the head of the organization. I need a $600 budget. Can I get $600 to spend any way I want throughout the year to make sure every single coach, like, it's just like, the, it's like we teach coaches how to communicate with kids. Right. And we say, at every practice, somehow, some way, you've got to make the ability to say something to every kid. Lee, Michael, Jimmy, Tommy, right. Jim, whatever, even just acknowledging the fact that they're there changes your everything. relationship. Changes and I think if you can do that with your coaches and they're in the room and they're, they're like, oh, my God, Mike, look at Mike just got. He got free tickets to Billy Joel concert because some parent <laughs> had him. Because think about all the relationships you have in your hockey organizations. I mean, the one right. thing about hockey organizations is – most of the time, they're not lacking for people that have, you know, resources. Right. Although, Leverage although, those I, resources. I, I will tell them. you, Mike, that a lot of people in my organization trying to give away Flyers tickets this year, and no one was taking them. And <laughs> I put my finger yeah, but It's the effort. It's the effort <laughs> to give them away. I know. Maybe, I know, you know. No, I'm just that's like that. And maybe that's a backhanded yeah. way of saying, hey, I got your free tickets to the Flyer game. Yeah. Like, oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, man. Why do you put me through that pain for it? No, no. Yeah, why don't you just it, give it, me a free Mike, cup listen, of coffee? I would have appreciated it. You're 100% right. Again, we're talking about recruiting and retainment, and we're just talking about appreciating 
people within your organization. Well, right? that's, and that's, but that's how you, you retain, know? right? If you want to retain right. coaches, appreciate them, but show them the appreciation and then find ways to give them great. There, there's a, there's a conference going on right now that I'm sending out emails to everyone. So you really want to you know, appreciate your program, send your two coaches to this conference, right? all right. expenses paid. They get to go and they get Man, to come back idea. and, and give idea. it to their organization. And share and it. Like, Not right. Like they, they, again, high functioning organizations do this stuff. I, I know there's probably people yeah. listening and they're just thinking about, oh, I know that a-hole would never do that. Look, it's, it takes time to build these things up. It's not going to snap your fingers and this happens overnight. Right. But, but these are the things you got to put in place uh, to do that. You know what I mean? And look, another thing too, just, just on this topic, you know, um, organizational leaders, people at the top, I'm sure you communicate with your coaches. If, if you're not communicating with the coaches, what the hell are you doing up there? But communicate with the coaching staffs. Have the assistant coaches on a call. Like really, you should be scheduling a call at least once a month with the coaches within your organization, just to have a conversation with the staff. Yeah, whether they What's come on, on or not is irrelevant. Right. Like if you, right. if you come on one right. month and you miss the other month, that's Whatever. fine. Yeah, have the you call, schedule take it. the time, schedule it. Do it and talk and let them vent. Let them talk about what they're doing wrong. Again, I'm not knocking my organization. I'm just, I just, I didn't feel like I was asked a lot of, hey, what are you doing well? What's not working outside of the team itself? Like my actual team. I would have appreciated that as a, as a, I'm going to say this again, Mike and, and people listening, you know, my resume, I could have used the help outside of just the head coach and the other assistant coaches on my team who were phenomenal. They helped me out right. a lot. Right. right? But it, it's just like, you know, I, I, some of that, it would have gone a long way is all I'm trying to say. And again, I'm not knocking, I got to say this again. I, I, I had a really good time last year. Just not knocking my organization. I just think I'm always looking to imp uh, improve. No, and if you don't take it, like if it's offered right. and you don't take it, that's on you. Yeah, it's on you. And and you know what? And and you, you got you got to know the accountability of that. You've done your job. But more communication. And Mike, let, let's just talk again, just briefly about players because uh, I think we've said it right. You know, if you're running a really good organization, you have strong communication in place. You understand the development pathway. You're communicating with your coaches. You're doing things for your coaches. You're developing coaches. Uh, the rest should take care of itself. But since we're on the topic from players, because players move all the time, they move all the time to the better organization. I'll start this little piece and then we'll close the episode out with what Nick Saban always says, whether you like Nick Saban or not. He goes, if you've played for five different high schools, I do not want you at University of Alabama. I don't want no. you here because you can't deal with the adversity. Now, it's pretty harsh, but he's also right. All right. You're, and I'm saying this as someone who switched organizations a lot. All right. Uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, through multiple reasons. There are times that that is correct. I'm not going to tell all the parents listening that if you're switching, you're wrong. All right. If, if you're trying to leave a rough organization and you're finding a better fit for you and your kid, power to you. But as an organization itself, Mike, right, how should we be looking at this? If you really want to keep kids, uh, in addition to what we've said, what else can you do? Yeah. Well, your point is parents will move and that's their right. right. And kids right. won't be happy in every situation. That's their right. But as an organizational point of view, it's your job to put those things in place where it becomes less likely that that happens. Right. So when you, when you, and I, and I always use the terminology, like, listen, you buy your one helmet, you're going to own it for seven years. You never have to buy another blue helmet. When you get your breezers, you know, imagine the cost that goes through when a player goes from organization, to organization, to organization, six, seven, $800, you know, to re-outfit the kid. But right. on the, on the, on the retention side, I'm always about put he's cause at the end of the day, your children, nobody, from God knows that this nine-year-old is an elite stick handler and this nine-year-old can hardly skate. They don't know. They just know they're nine and they're the same kids. They're in the same classrooms. They're in the same 
you know, structure. The parents are in the same areas of, of, of navigating their children, whether you're a 12 year old, a 10 year old, an eight year old. So my biggest thing on retention, by far the best way to retain kids in your organization is to make sure they're together in their age groups as much as possible. Bar none, triple A to house league. A nine-year-old is a nine-year-old is a nine-year-old. The nine-year-old can run and do jump ropes and skip through hoops and sit for a movie night and be at pizza day. Nine-year-olds can be together because you know what happens that people, and, and if you have a crystal ball, if you're a parent and you can have a crystal ball and say, oh, my nine-year-old elite triple A player is not that crappy house league kid. Although they're nine, you know where that kid, you know, you know where those kids start meeting later on. And if those, and, and if you want to retain, you build community, you build culture, like what you do every day, you build this culture, you build a community, you build, you break down barriers where nine-year-olds or nine-year-olds or nine-year-olds or nine-year-olds, like an 07 in my world at, at, when he started at nine is still an 07 at 18. And where are they in the organization? You want to keep them, then make them feel like anybody in the cycle that they're in is close to them, is supporting them, are friends with them. Are, are oh, they're not like I can't tell you how many way too many I walk into a rink and the the peewee program has four teams and none of those four teams ever communicates right I, I, and they're I've all 12 that. every I've kid in that. that building is 12 years old 120 12 year olds and you're telling me that if, if I walk into the locker room by mistake at 12 years old I get like tape thrown at me <laughs> get the hell out of here kid you're on the b team or like to me that's a team issue, but as organization, you've got to make it where every single 12 year old that walks in that building feels like they're part of the building, that's feels like they're part of the team. Mike. Mike, and that's, that's because, because these kids cycle and it, you know what, it makes it easier later on in life or later on in the development of your organization that kids now can become interchangeable that I, it's easier for me to stomach the fact that you, you, you'll hear it and you'll hear it a lot with, as your kids get older, Lee, that Oh, my kid can't play on that team. You're ripping him away from his friends. He just made all these friends. Well, how come they're all not friends? How right. come they oh, don't know everybody when they walk in the rink? And, you know, I just think that's if, if there's one thing you can do to retain players, it's to build, develop, build communication and trust and relationships within the age groups that you have in your building. Mike, that is honestly fantastic advice. You know, healthy competition is a good thing, but you, your teams don't need to be rivals with each other. They right? can still compete. Listen, well, I said healthy still, competition, but you don't have to be rivals. You're you on the same hate, team. You should hate the next town overs team. Exactly. Not the that, team in your building. That's what I'm trying to say. And, and, and you're totally right. You know, I, you just explained that in a way I've never heard it before. And it totally makes sense. Right. Like even I'm thinking about just AU last year, every one of those kids should be friends because you're right. They don't know. Unless you tell them, unless you tell them you're better than that kid, you're way better than that kid. You know, that's right. not the when right you walk in and if your t-shirt lights up triple A, triple A, triple A. And then <laughs> the other kid walks in and he has like a, a tank top that's, you know, doesn't right. say anything on it. They're like, oh, that's the that's the crappy kid. But they don't know that. Right. They don't know they're bad. Well, and, and, you know, not a lot of people have read that book, Grit, by Angela Duckworth about the people that succeed aren't usually the best. They're the ones who had to struggle the most. Right. And it's always easier when you have a, a community to do that. But. Mike, I just want to reiterate that point of build that community of, you know, if you really want to retain kids, it's not you're leaving your friends because you're leaving a team. It's all of my friends are here. All of my friends are here or on different teams. Uh, it's no different than gym in school. You go for 
18 years with the same kids. It's the same gym kids when you're 18. Yeah, imagine if you're in yeah. fourth grade and you go to gym class and the teacher says, okay, all you superstars right. go over there <laughs> right. and the rest of you kids go into the right. reading room. I'm like, right. what are you crazy? Right. Yeah, no. Yeah. Listen, listen, <laughs> by 18, Tommy might be really good at dodgeball. All right. But I'm still playing against them because that's the way it works in school or, or even more extreme. I'm going to a different school, Mike, because this gym is not as good as the gym at that school. Anyway, fantastic <laughs> point. I think we're going to leave it there. Uh, again, I'm going to reiterate to the parents and, and everybody, organizations, coaches, listen, we could, we could keep going. There's more than three. Yeah, the problem is there aren't there aren't three. I think there's so many yeah. silos of, of what you can do as an organization, I think. But the, but like I said, there's there's certain things you can do that are free, right, that are right. easy, that are accessible. Right. And, you know, nobody's telling you that, that you know, the kids have to get gold lined, uh, you know, hockey skates. You're just saying, listen, these are simple things you can do to change the culture and change how you're doing things. And I believe that if you're part of any organization like USA Hockey, you're probably getting a free sport engine account or a team snap or right. you're paying for it already. Use it. Um, I'll, I'll end the Simon Sinek quote. Remember, people remember how they made people. You remember how people made you feel, not what they gave you, not what right. they did for you. You remember how you feel. If you think everybody here, just take a minute to reflect on organizations you loved or hated. It's the feeling that is still there with you, right? It's not what they did or didn't do. The feeling is what's there. So uh, again, really quick recap, top three things we talked about. Number one, communication, 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 create some form of communication uh, understanding hierarchy, whatever word you want to use there within your organization, you will fail if you don't. I'm just going to say that very point blank. Number two, understand the pathway of development top down from Adams all the way up to juniors. Understand how your organization is going to look at development. Who are the people in charge? Do you have an ACE coordinator? As Mike said, you have people that are co uh, communicating, checking in with the different levels. Are you creating uh, methods for all the Mike coaches, all the Bantam coaches, all the midget coaches, whatever terminology we're using today? Do they get together once a week? Are they having beers? Are you doing the things to make them feel good organizational leaders? And then third, uh, and like last but not least, is recruitment and retention. What are you, what are you done for me lately? <laughs> what are you making? Coach your coaches. Develop coaches. They will develop players, develop a community. They will develop a place for people wanting to be there. They will stay, right? Or at least more people will. But I, I think this has been a fantastic episode, Mike. And again, I, I appreciate everybody take a drink. Uh, what you said there at the end about create a community based on age, not based on the letters next to your sweater. It's irrelevant. It, it, unless you want it to be, unless you want it to be. And that's, well, that's it. So, that's it. If that's the yeah. culture you develop, then right. that's what you live with. There you go. So what a great episode, man. I'm glad we did this uh, again. We'll be back with you next week. We're going to be here all summer. we got a lot of great interviews. Uh, listenership continues to go up because you're awesome. If you enjoyed this, if you found value, please subscribe. Please like, tell a friend, tell your organization. Help us grow this, uh, this uh, channel. Help us grow this podcast because we're here for you. And if you have any questions, as we preached in this episode, feel free to reach out to us, team at ourkidsplayhockey.com or comment on any of the social media posts, wherever you can find us. We're here for you. Uh, and again, all of our episodes are available on ourkidsplayhockey.com. Uh, or you can go with your favorite podcast provider and it's there. So Mike, wonderful time being with you here today. I always appreciate being on the air with you. And even though we miss Christy, she'll be back next week on our next episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. So that's going to do it, everybody, on this long, super long sign-off. <laughs> have a great day. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.
We hope you enjoyed this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcast network, a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.